0: i'm your host maribel lopez the founder and principal analyst of lopez research a market research and technology advisory services firm and i'm really excited to be back at the element podcast talking to rohit dixit he's the svp and general manager of hpe's advisory and professional services and we also have a new guest joe peterson the vp of cloud services and security for clarify 360 and she's also a Forbes Technology Council member. Welcome Rohit, welcome Joe.
1: Thank you. Yeah, Thank you, Maribel, nice to be here. Uh,
0: clearly COVID-19 has changed businesses. And once an organization has recovered from the original chaos of COVID, we're seeing that they've started digital transformation efforts and business transformation efforts, but these efforts need to continue. And technology has become core to a long-term transformation strategy so one of the things i'd like to discuss today in this podcast is how companies are using technology to bridge to whatever we want to call the new normal and design for resilience let's go back in time Uh, many organizations pre covid had a roadmap Uh, they were moving towards digital transformation some faster than others so What's happening with that journey now? We know that everybody got it kick-started, but are they reorienting or are they continuing these efforts?
1: Yeah, you know, Maribel, what we're seeing is, um, you know, that phrase, the best laid plans of mice and men, right? Um, that The digital transformations that the companies are doing, I think they're going through a serious reassessment of those plans firstly they were put on hold uh and you know when when they were doing the triage the immediate crisis management uh phase of their response everything was put on hold there was a triage of what needed to happen to keep the lights on and that's what the companies were focused on now that you know they're getting to a phase where they can stabilize and sustain that 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 temporary mode of uh, of being they are coming back to their initial plans and and reassessing those to see which one of those still fit with their view of what the new normal will look like from a business perspective, from a people work perspective, from a supply chain perspective, and which one of those are still valid and which one of those are um, you know, still fit for purpose, as it were, w- versus which ones they're going to put off to the side. And, and then as they start to design for the new uh, you know they're really taking a slightly different lens to uh, the transformation, because I think a lot of people fully understand that you know this was a crisis, but that there will be other crises before uh, after this, and and as as they're designing their future state, they want to make sure that it's adaptable, that it's resilient, of course, but at the same time flexible enough where they can then react to the uh, to the next crisis or the next big change that's going to happen. So uh, so that's what we're seeing is you know a little bit of a of a pause put aside a reassess uh, with a lens of uh, what the new normal will look like and 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 a lens of uh, you know not just having resiliency but also trading that off with the flexibility that they that they know that they will need
0: thanks ahead you know joe i know that you are deep in the trenches with these organizations trying to help them dig out of where they are and and move into what's next what are you seeing
2: well it's it's super interesting um you know as i look at things right now and i'm going to go all greek philosopher on you for a minute and then i'm going to take a shopping how does that sound great do it <laughs> okay so plato told us that necessity is the mother of invention that's my that's my greek philosopher for you okay if if we were to take a look back 12 years ago to the 2008 great recession there's at least 10 very successful startups that emerged You've got WhatsApp, you've got Venmo, Instagram, Uber, Pinterest, Slack, that's just a few of them. And that's because behavioral changes in the way we live created this really fertile environment for invention. We needed tools and services that can help people adapt to new trends. So if you were to fast forward to 2020 and you add cloud to that recipe, in 2008, the cloud was being just born. So it's, it's re- it really wasn't part of that equation. The cloud has leveled up the playing field. New ideas can be born, launched, and scaled really quickly. And an idea can become reality sooner. So I have no doubt that we're going to see the creation of some very strong brands that are going to address the changes in this new normal. Um, Disruption and innovation are now mainstream. I would even go so far as to say that we as a society expect to be disrupted today. So let's focus on retail for a minute and that this is the shopping part, Maribel. I know we're both going to like this. I think we've seen some really amazing changes in the last five or six months. Congrats. And congrats to the retail industry for the way they've pivoted. I'd read a statistic that there was an 80% year over year increase in online purchases from April of 2019 to April of 2020. So purchasing has clearly shifted to online and digital transformation efforts have accelerated. The strictly brick-and-mortar guys had to launch e-commerce stores overnight just to survive. Social media has become the main channel of communication for retailers, and budgets for social media have gone up over 50% since the pandemic hit in the retail vertical. So this pandemic has forced these retailers to create alternative delivery and contactless pickup options because that has become a consumer expectation. And that's what we're seeing on the front end. But behind the scenes, they've had these retailers have had to backhaul their existing systems. They've had to shift operations, logistics, reskill workers, all kinds of things. So they've essentially had to change the way they do business. This is digital transformation in action. There was some recent talk among my peers that the pandemic has leapfrogged digital efforts by at least five years that's what i think now leapfrogging
0: five years and actually that makes sense because in some ways we have been talking about this for years and years and years but it just never happened so i think overnight we had to put into place all of those strategies and ideas and thoughts and frankly things we had never thought of uh within weeks uh, not even months. So that's true. So I, I want to pick up on something you said, Joe, and that's the concept that people expect to be disrupted now. And I'm sure that when they're making their plans, you know, they're planning for the potential of disruption. So, how do people or businesses think about stabilizing for the near term, the short term? And what do they need to do to begin preparing for the long term? And I don't know, Joe. Do
2: you, do you want to maybe start there and then we can go to Rohit? So it's a great question. I think as it relates to cloud, I think we've seen this plethora of tactical quick fixes that happened under pressure. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like companies had to this do this enable remote productivity for the entire workforce overnight. And by the way, unsung heroes are the IT teams, right? Uh, I, I really feel that way. So Now that this workforce is sort of humming along, as it were, we're going to see organizations that didn't already have a long-term cloud roadmap actually work on a genuine cloud strategy and one that accounts for cost governance, workload optimization, and security. That's what I think we're seeing.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Rohit, you're talking to a lot of organizations as well, and I'm sure there's the, what are we doing today and what do we want to do tomorrow? So what are you hearing?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, Maribel, I think it's it's Joe's point is exactly right, that um, there's, you know, the response, we, we tend to separate it into two, with, and those, those steps, we, we, we think that there's about nine steps of those, and we put that in a thought piece called the nine steps to the new normal, but those nine steps are really divided into two. One is the the steps you need to take to respond immediately to the crisis, which are around things that I mentioned before about triaging the most important things that you need to keep the lights on to, you know, to be able to support your customers, to be able to uh, continue to drive business, and 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 you know, just um, keeping keeping as it were the wheels moving, right? So so there's the triage, then and, and then there's about adjusting that as you learn, the st- uh, stabilizing it and sustaining it, but. And we are seeing a lot of companies do that very well and, and it's helping them learn a lot more about you know new ways of doing things uh, that necessity is the mother of invention thing. Um, but at the same time, there's also in, in almost parallel, you have to start to think about how you bridge to that new normal, uh, which is around observing what's going on around you in your industry, not just from an IT perspective, but from an overall business perspective and in that ecosystem. Aligning on what is what is absolutely critical and what that new uh, normal is going to look like, and and then being able to design, uh, you know, your strategy around that, then being able to transform towards it, and then and then optimize uh, to, to to that end, um, with with the expectation that you know more disruptions will come, and and that's and the flexibility and the stability you need in that space. So say so, you know we're definitely seeing companies some doing this better than others. Um, some being a little bit more sort of you know reactive and perhaps stuck in a little bit of the crisis management mode, but but we're we're definitely seeing companies that have great examples of um, of, of using using this as an opportunity, right? The old Winston Churchill phrase uh, phrase about never waste a crisis, uh, and a lot of companies are really taking that to heart and re- responding really well to the crisis um, that, that we can see.
0: Rohit, I loved your answer there, and I know that. Every industry is different. Frankly, every business can be different. But have you discovered certain qualities that organizations should consider in their tech stacks to become more resilient?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it, I think it is becoming a little bit about trade-offs, right? Because earlier you could build an um, an IT structure that was uh, that was mainly geared towards resilience and stability, etc. And now you have to trade off that resilience with agility. Uh, you have to s- trade off not just, you, you know, having scale in the organization, but also being able to respond and being able to react to whatever is coming next. And at the same, and that flexibility obviously comes at a price. And, and most importantly, perhaps it comes with a different way of thinking about uh, the operating model that we live in. You need a lot more decisions that are being taken place at, at sort of, you know, the coal phase uh, and faster response times, et cetera. And and how do you how do you continue to sustain that sort of quick response with the scale and the resilience that you need at the center? So you know I think there's going to be a huge impact to how IT systems get designed, how they get operated, and then definitely a big change in how they get financed, um, because there's you know there's new models around financing, um, especially as you build towards what that what the next phase looks like, and then there's you know offerings like as a service. Um, not just on the cloud, but also you know, uh, hardware vendors are providing more on-prem solutions that you can still pay, pay for as a service. So yeah, I mean, I see the entire ecosystem of of the way you design it, the way you operate it, the way you finance it, all all changing because uh, uh, because of all the learnings that we'll have as we go through this uh, through this response to the uh, to the pandemic.
0: Right, that makes a lot of sense. You know, design, finance, and operate; those are three epic changes for most organizations. Now, Joe, uh, you and I know that this is not companies' first cloud computing rodeo. They've, they've been at this for a while. But in the post-COVID world, or frankly, just in general, what are you seeing are some of the critical changes in cloud computing today that organizations should be looking at?
2: I, I think that COVID has forced organizations to rethink um, lots of things, but one of the things is employee productivity. And so, for example, a company that had bought desktops and laptops and had a refresh cycle, for example, every three to five years, um, on that hardware, all of a sudden they had to take everybody to the cloud. So they they're they're getting cloud desktops, um, and and so now you know what had been a standard practice for maybe the last fifteen or twenty years within an organization of every of this refresh cycle, they're they're like, wait wait a second. Do, do we really need to do this? How does it affect how we work? And it's not just desktops; it's it's all systems of employee productivity. It's unified communications. It's call center communications. It's it's all the things that employees need to do their work. And Rohit said it. You know, the world is becoming in an as a service model. So, how you? handle that from an operational standpoint requires a new skill set within IT as well. They're no longer fixing routers. They're no longer fixing switches. They're no longer, there's some of that, but what they're looking to do is they're looking to manage these outsource providers. It's, it's a completely different model.
0: I absolutely agree. And, and some of the things that you picked up on, I think are fabulous because even the services landscape themselves has to change so if you look at contact center you know that was an example of organizations never thought that they would be really doing fully distributed contact center and there's a lot of security and regulation requirements that go with that so maybe it makes more sense for them to have uh, virtual desktops that are sent down to call call center agents in their home and that's a different way of thinking about what a contact center is and how you manage that so it's interesting that even within a services landscape, the providers of that contact center service have to think differently about what types of services they're going to provide companies, and companies need to think differently about where and how people work. So a lot of change there. Rohit, I know that, you know, businesses are struggling a little bit with standardization versus customization for their tech solutions um, based on where they fall in these segments. You know, any thoughts on? What they should be thinking about in standardization versus customization?
1: Yeah, you know, obviously, as as you mentioned, uh, Maribel, that it's not a new debate, right? Or it's not a new conundrum that we're trying to solve. Um, but, but earlier, there was a lot of benefits that that came uh, through standardization, like the interconnectedness, um, you know, lower cost, and the fact that the more the, the, there was an ecosystem around that standardized product or service that that you that you benefited from. I think all that is still valid. And then customization had its own benefits as well, and and those are still valid. And earlier, I think, what has changed though is that earlier the decision was made more from a a cost perspective, a scale perspective. And now in that equation, that trade-off of, if I build something in-house and I customize it to a great extent, when the next sort of crisis hits or the next disruption hits, uh, how quickly can I respond? and and equally importantly how well will it survive in an ecosystem that is of course more and more interconnected and and you know obviously there's not one uh, i guess standardized answer to 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 that uh, to that question i think it really comes down to you know what is what is the what is the workload what is the app what is what is exactly the system trying to do and how interconnected it needs to be? And then in the future state, as we respond, uh, how much flexibility and and uh, agility does it afford you?
0: I know when I've been speaking with my enterprise clients, one of the things that we've been talking about has been this concept of what really is the secret sauce that's going to differentiate your company? and that's where you build your customizations. And then you try to look for uh, certain infrastructure that uh, is standardized for the rest of it. And it turns out when you really look at it, there's a small subset of IT stack that truly differentiates you uh, as an organization. And the, and the rest of it, you can probably buy in some kind of uh, as a service or more standardized uh, grouping. So really just putting on that lens of of what makes you different and what's going to improve your customer experience or your partner experience or whatever it is that really makes the business sing. Joe, I don't know if you had any comments on standardization versus customization since you're working with a lot of organizations as well.
2: Well, I, I think that you said something really important there. You're right, but I think it's what you do with it. For example, we're we're seeing the organizations that are more advanced in cloud start to really utilize cloud analytics so they've leveled up it's not that they're just consuming uh, standard services servers and whatnot as a service storage as a service anymore they're then taking it to the next level and taking a look at you know what the analytics bring back to them and making that data usable and meaningful for their businesses That's what I sort of see in the maturation process. It's one of the things that I see in the maturation process right now.
0: That makes perfect sense, Joe. So maybe we can wrap with a question for both of you. Uh, What guidance do you have for business leaders and CXOs to basically uh, give them the confidence in the future of their organizations and where can technology help? So basically, how do we get people comfortable with you know what joe mentioned as the constant disruption rohit what you mentioned as you know three pillars of change in an organization what advice do you have
1: yeah you know i think i, I think if i had to pick one um sort of point of view that I, I i would i would like to emphasize um i think it's that point about not wasting a crisis right that in in what we are experiencing right now, in what we are learning, in the way change is happening, um, there are huge opportunities in here. Um, and if we sort of have the right mindset, and if we are looking for opportunities, I think we will find that this is a great, um, great time for us to you know not just question things that we took for granted, um, not, and not just sort of modes of operation that we took as a given. But but really, a chance to question uh, the larger strategy and also our operating model, our own mindsets, um, and if we end up, you know, if I would say that if we if if a CIO or, or or a leader in a company ended up coming out of this crisis, having survived it, but not having leveraged the opportunity that it brings, I, I think that would be um, that would be unfortunate.
2: Yeah, I I agree with Rohit. I think that there is, you know, opportunity in crisis, and little bit of a different take here. I think that this is this is a take note moment. And what I mean by that is I think that the CIO needs to work more closely with his or her peer, the CMO and take a look at the shining stars during the pandemic. Which of their competitors really stood out and why? And did the framework that that competitor had in place allow for flexibility and quick response during the crisis? And how does that sort of match up against their own framework that they're using? Another question or thought would be about the digital transformation ecosystem. IT is not solely responsible for digital transformation. Um, It takes a corporate village to digitally transform a company. And while it's up to IT to build that digital foundation, my guidance would be to identify both those internal and external resources Within IT and other departments, as well as external to the company, and have them act as a force multiplier to help see the organization through their digital transformation goals.
0: It takes a corporate village to build digital transformation. You heard that here first. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So, clearly, to wrap up, what I'm seeing is that this is a time of both introspection and action for organizations. And you have to do both. And transformation is not a one-time event. I don't think we ever thought it was, but now I know that we're clear on the fact that we will always be evolving and that having the right infrastructure foundation to enable that agility is important. To learn more, stay tuned for the next episodes of the Element podcast and be sure to visit enterprise.next. Thank you.